Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Bradica. I'm Ben Harrison. Adam, how you doing today? I'm great. Really? Having a great day. I'm I'm upset. I'm I'm quite cross today. Because of my specific mental makeup, I'm going to guess that that's because of something I did. I'm just going to assume. It's not because of something you did. Some friends of ours did something that has made me angry, and I think that we need to do something about it. I, I want to see what you think that thing should be. Look, if there's an opportunity to get upset at a friend, <laughs> I'm going to fucking take it. I'm going to take that opportunity. <laughs> fucking ride. <laughs> we are on the uh, Maximum Fun Network of Podcasts, one of the other Shows on that network, Jordan Jesse Go. I'm familiar. Jordan and Jesse, uh, I thought were really nice guys. I didn't really have an opinion either way. <laughs> they recently had on Kurt Brownaller, who is one of my all time favorite stand ups. I really, really love Kurt Brownaller's stuff. I go to his and Kristen Shaw's regular show in LA, Hot Tub, pretty frequently. Oh. Try to stay abreast. Where is that? Uh, they've just started doing it again. They moved venues so that they could do it outside, I think. Oh, that's good. Maybe also so that they could do it not <laughs> the place that they used to do it. I don't know. Oh, you're talking about the Virgil. Yeah. But uh, they had uh, Kurt Brownaller on their show recently. So that's one part of the setup. Other part of the setup is that Jordan and Jesse have been running this contest. This is this is a couple of weeks ago that this all happened, but uh, they've been running a contest or just uh, soliciting listeners to do things where they record lyrics to the song Powerhouse, which will be instantly recognizable as the song that plays in Looney Tunes cartoons when they go to a factory. Dun, 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 dun. That's right. Whenever Porky Pig goes to a factory... Uh... She's a power house. Make a power. Make a power house. That's the song? That's not the song. Okay. So with that setup. Chicka bow, chicka bow, chicka bow wow. Several different listeners over several weeks sent in submissions of what the lyrics to that song could be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have on one of my favorite stand-ups of all time, Kurt Brownaller, on their show, and this happens. Oh, yeah. I'm going to play you a clip. Okay. Hi, Jordan, Jesse, and legendary star of Night Court and Star Trek The Next Generation, Brent Spiner. This is Close. Jim from Gloucester City, New Close. Jersey, and here are the lyrics to Powerhouse. Rolling zippers. Victor and his said it. Well, that's loud. I hope you let it. Music's good, but lyrics forget it. They'll probably make you sick. Jesse said, but horns and things. Gabriel agreed. Horns make it better. George's best band, less than Jake. still making music. Here's some horns to make it scout like. Big beat for punk kids alike. And walk that face like Richard Van Dyke. Before a footstool trip. Hey, I 
think I've got subject best pods, greatest Jenny, great trek, rotten berries, TV topics, surprisingly funny. Adam and Ben make dick and fart jokes based on Star Trek for the smart folks. Puns and Wait, play their show and stop, press stop. <laughs> now it's just about fucking Ben Harrison and Adam Pranikov. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? They were on SCTV. They were not on SCTV. They, they, they do were. a Star Trek podcast <laughs> in our network. Why the fuck did it turn into a Star Trek thing? This whole fucking... That was a fucking penguin in the pants. That was a classic penguin in the pants. That Listening was a, to that made my cheeks feel hot. <laughs> you guys know Soul Coughing did one. Oh, pow- they did a powerhouse? powerhouse? Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yes. I bet it's good. It is good. So... Instead of letting the song play, instead of letting somebody that likes Jordan Jesse go and us get a song on their show, mm-hmm. Jim from New Jersey talking about how much he enjoys our shows, talking about yeah, what yeah. what the premise of our shows is. Friend of DeSoto, Jim. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, get some some new friends of DeSoto by talking kindly about a show on the network. I mean, maybe we could have, but they cut us off. That was that was our time to shine. We were going to shine in front of Kurt Brownaller, Adam. Yeah, we didn't. Hey, guess who put a bushel on top of our light? Jesse, Jesse Thorne. Thorne with a fucking penguin in the back of his pants. That's yeah. where I would put a penguin if I were going to put a penguin in his pants. <laughs> the back. Give me a fucking break, Jesse Thorne. What are you doing? Why, why are you so stingy with airtime that you can't allow a song about how good our show is to play on your fucking show? Jordan's great. Jordan's cheeks were red from laughter and joy yeah. and affection. Yeah. You could have uh, assumed he had two penguins in his cheeks. <laughs> yeah, warming them right up. Yeah. I just, I, my blood boils because this was our big opportunity and it was squandered. It was taken away from us by a man who many say has too much power. I mean, <laughs> I don't think anyone would ever assume that Jesse's goal for shows on the network was growth. <laughs> so this uh, behavior is fairly consistent with, <laughs> I think, what anyone would expect from him mm. when faced with an opportunity to grow a show like ours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's zero-sum growth when it's just listeners from their show going over to our show, though, right? Sure. Like, from a network perspective, who gives a shit? But from an our show perspective... Come on. To count a Kurt Brauneler as a friend of DeSoto would have been nice. That would have been a thrill. But no, he smashed our fucking nuts <laughs> with that possibility. That was a fucking penguin in the pants. Yeah, Kurt Brauneler recently did a, a new special, a new stand-up special. What's it called? I don't know. Maybe you should stop talking about it. Like, maybe I should step on, on the possibility <laughs> of getting the word out, Ben. Because that's what we do on Max Fun Shows. <laughs> Suffocate the marketing. Perfectly Stupid was the name of the stand-up special. I watched it with my wife before it was available for free on YouTube, which it is now. It's now available for free on YouTube. You know what? He's never going to love you, Ben. I'm just saying. Why are you doing this? Kurt didn't do anything wrong. It's Jesse that did something wrong. I'm saying it would be cool to be friends Kurt with- got his shout out at the end of Jordan Jesse Go. He got it. He got it already. <laughs> I'm just saying I liked the special. I wish Kurt Brownler had become a friend of DeSoto. I feel like he was on the verge. That song was this close to selling him on it. And instead he's fucking making a soul coughing anecdote. Yeah. Who cares? 
Yeah. Anytime Jordan wants to come on Greatest Generation, he's more than welcome. <laughs> yeah. But Jesse, you're banned. Hey, 206-984-4-FUN is how you give the network feedback on that particular bit. You know what? If you set your criticism to a musical situation uh, from a Looney Tunes cartoon, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all the better. Yeah, that's uh, almost guaranteed to get on the show. Yeah. I think I feel like marshalling our friends of DeSoto into this brand new conflict. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> this intranetwork conflict that we didn't start, by the yeah, way. Yeah. We didn't start this fire. This is the first time we've been in a rap beef and we weren't the ones starting it and also the only ones that were aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the opposite of that this time around. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, you know, I don't know. I I'm I'm miffed. I'm I'm hurt. I I counted Jesse as a friend, as a confidant. America's radio sweetheart, my ass. <laughs> Just so fucking pissed off. Anyways, I wish I could forget this, Adam. I wish like my memory of this huge insult could be somehow systematically erased from my mind. I've got an idea for that. Yeah? <laughs> it's from today's episode of Star Trek Voyager, Ben. Wow. How do you say we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. It's season five, episode 11. Latent image. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> it's picture day on Voyager. <laughs> or hollow imager day, as it is in Six Bay. Because these pictures go deep that the doctor's taking. Yeah. Real deep. They're seeing everything. It's a holistic image, isn't it? They know what side you dress if you're an Ensign Kim. Yeah. Naomi Wildman is totally justified to be concerned about what this picture is going to have, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, if they put a lead apron on you to take an x-ray, whatever this hollow imager is doing has got to be way more harmful to human flesh, right? If you could only hear yourselves. I think so. I mean, the technology as it is is an interesting idea, right? You want to go in for your regular hollow physical so that you have a baseline to compare subsequent physicals to, right? So you can tell when things are getting out of shape. Yeah. That's what they are doing now. Like everybody's annual checkup, you get a picture. And uh, when they go to look at Harry's, it is, uh, I mean, like it, it gets down to the blood, right? Like it, it's skeleton, it's, it's blood system. It's in your blood. <laughs> They show this, like, thing build out his body, uh, crank and all, and uh, the dude is hung. Handsome fellow. Parents must be very proud. It'll only take a second to download your images into the medical database. Why not? Yeah, he's hanging clarinet for sure. Did Harry get a new haircut in between last episode and this one, or am I just noticing his great new haircut? This is an episode of a couple of new haircuts, I think. Yeah. Uh, Harry Kim's being one of them. He looks great. Yeah, so they got Kim's hologanger up there, just standing at attention. Yeah. And what's unusual about this guy is there's some scar tissue on the back of his skull. And there's something like oddly familiar about this. Like the yeah. doc's looking at it, and what's great in retrospect, is the take that Harry Kim has. Because Kim's not saying much. Yeah. But Hollow Kim isn't saying anything. And the doctor's 
you know, like looking at the base of his skull and you see in this, this repair job there. And it's, you know how, how a welder takes great pride in like the shape of the weld, right? Yeah, yeah. Real craftsman knows the quality of that work. And I feel like when the doctor looks at the base of the skull, he sees his own welding back there. Yeah. It could yeah. only be his. I rewatched this scene uh, after the episode and you're right to point out that Garrett Wong is doing something great here because it is like nervous guy playing along. Yeah. Not guy who has a strangely low number of questions about the surgery scar on the back of his head. Yeah. (laughs) I love how Kim does not deny anything here either. Like the friend in the group who knows they're a bad liar and just chooses not to say anything instead of going along with a bit that wouldn't involve lying or... (laughs) (laughs) or improvising anything. Right. He just shuts the fuck up. It's also like definitely the doctor because he's the only person that knows how to do this particular surgery, apparently. Yeah. So another kind of strange cold open. Yeah. Two in a row of strange cold opens. This is the uh, cut to theme. And when we come back, the doctor is uh, paying a visit to the captain doing her physical in her office because uh, that's captain's prerogative. This doctor makes house calls. Pretty nice, right? Yeah. Let's get it over with. The doc's got one of those uh, knee banger things in his hand. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of this. I like that the like 1950s ass knee banger is not updated hundreds of years in the future. No. <laughs> no, man. The guy who, who invented that must be rich. Yeah. They yeah. don't need a new one of those. I mean, I recently started going to the pediatrician on a regular basis with Daron, and I am happy to inform you that the knee banger is still exactly that. It's that weird orangish-brown rubber in the chrome handle. So do you leave Daron out in the lobby when you see your pediatrician? (laughs) Or how does that work? Yeah, Daron reads a golf magazine and waits for me. (laughs) He's very precocious. Now, Benjamin, you are a growing boy. You're going to begin to see some changes soon. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to get a shot. Is there going to be a shot this time? I don't want to get a shot. Man, how many years in a row was it Chekhov's shot over every visit to the doctor? And why didn't our parents ever know? Like, I never knew if a doctor's appointment would have a shot. Always a surprise. I have uh, been thinking a lot about this because... I thought I knew for sure what the schedule was, and we took him to his three-month checkup after his, like his two-month checkup was when they gave him the first battery of vaccines, and Mm -hmm. we went to the three-month like, all right, next battery of vaccines, here we are, and the doctor was like, no, 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 that's not this one, and I was like, oh, I thought that was this one, like I was like girding myself emotionally for the baby crying. I told Daron. <laughs> so you're saying that's why we were never told as children? Because yeah. our parents never actually knew? Yeah, we just don't know. Huh. You can think you know, but you might be wrong. Maybe that's why Janeway keeps avoiding these doctor's visits. It's weird how I'm suddenly like way more forgiving of the fallibility of my own parents. <laughs> I'm wondering when I'll ever turn that corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the meme where like uh, 
the exit ramp is like recognizing the fallibility of my parents and to keep going straight is never recognizing that at all. My car staying on the road. <laughs> no swerve at all. Nope. Wasn't even tempted. <laughs> no, I'm in the left lane. <laughs> 10 miles over the posted limit is safe. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, this is where the doctor lets slip that he's got a bit of a mystery on his hands based on this whole hollow imager thing that he's been doing. Apparently, 18 months ago, somebody did surgery on Harry Kim, but the doctor didn't do it, and it's, uh, it's just a mystery. Who can explain this? Look at this hollow image. Every time I do it makes me cringe. How did Kim's skull get so bashed? No receipts must have paid in cash. Wow. He didn't even turn it into insurance for coverage? That's fucked up. That must have cost him a mint. He's got it like that. (laughs) You're telling me that Ensign Kim is super paid? Yeah. (laughs) He can pay cash for high-complexity medical procedures? Holy shit. We need to look into that. I want to live in the future now. This scene with Janeway ends without a resolution because back in the ass lab, the doc hits up Seven for some help solving the mystery of Kim's surgery. And why is the reverse psychology in this scene so dramatic? It is 15 out of 10 dramatic here in a way I didn't really understand at the time. Why was he doing it like this? The captain's acting like she's allergic to me. And now my prized pupil won't even give me the time of day. State your request. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is an episode that is an opportunity for Robert Picardo to get real, real big. Oh, yeah. And uh, I wonder if you have that opportunity. You just want to take it. Once you get the opportunity to to get big, you want to stay big, huh? Yeah. For as long as possible. You want to prolong how big you are. Yeah. But if you're big for more than four hours, you should consult a physician. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe keep the party going. <laughs> That's what my theory presupposes. So Seven is going to look into this data, and she comes down to the six bay a little bit later, activates the EMH, and is like, "Yeah, so I ran this diagnostic, and like, yeah, you you're right. There's there's stuff missing." He's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? What's missing?" She's like, the stuff you asked me to look into. You don't recall speaking to me in the S-Lab one hour ago. No. There's something about the episode where Doc Holliday, remember when he turns evil and he does all those procedures on the on the holodeck people? Yeah, yeah. And, and his pupils get all crazy. <laughs> I can't get that out of my head. And this is one of the scenes that made me remember that because when the doctor appears, there's like this quizzical expression that feels like things felt performative when they weren't supposed to be. Right, right. And it made me believe that the doctor was the suspect for a long time. There is... An interesting thing about the proximity of this episode to the last episode where it was the Nazi-coded characters 
like forcing Janeway to lie through her teeth over and over again. Mm -hmm. And now like it sort of feels like maybe the doctor is doing the same thing, you know, but we're on the other side of it. We don't know the secret. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I definitely picked up on that. Like there is some like sinister cast to how the doctor is being presented early in this episode. It's one of those deals where like if the central figure in this episode were another character, it wouldn't feel the same. Like that it's the doctor makes these specific feelings happen. Yeah. So the doctor is in the middle of like kind of condescending to seven. Like obviously you you got confused and you don't know what you're talking about. I would know if I did surgery on Ensign Kim and I would know if I'd asked you yesterday. Here, I'll prove it to you. And he like whips out all the computer files and there's just like blinking empty folders <laughs> on the screen. That file has been deleted. And he's like, uh, <laughs> okay. Taking a step back from my super condescending attitude that I was just taking a second ago does seem like maybe somebody is deleting shit from me. Uh, creepy feeling. Yeah. So they're going to do a little bit of detective work to figure this out. If the surgery happened 18 months ago, then the doctor will surely have photographic records of it because the doctor, back then, he was a bit of a shutterbug. Yeah, he sure was. I mean, maybe there's a picture of Tom Paris covered in crud. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> you fall into some crud or something? Still on the memory card there. That'd be really exciting. You know? Yeah. That's a keeper. So uh, this is every everybody that's ever worked in production's nightmare, right? You go to the memory card, you load it into the computer, file corrupted. Yeah. What are you going to tell the client when you have to talk to them next? File corrupted? Are you kidding? The memory card people want you to believe there's a way to save it. Like right. there's a phone number and there's, oh, yeah. there's contact information. Maybe there's a way. In my experience, there's never a way. It's gone. There's like software that you can download off the internet that's like $100 and you can't use a demo of it to see if it might work. But at the time, $100 seems worth it compared to the idea of, of scheduling a makeup shoot. Yeah. The doctor is very fortunate that he has Seven of Nine there because Seven of Nine can do wonders that $100 software cannot. Yeah. <laughs> and that is pull kind of grainy, beat up versions of these images off of the memory card. <laughs> Ben, you lost a day's worth of interviews. Would you settle for five grainy photographs? <laughs> I take that deal every time. Yeah. You just Ken Burns that shit, man. That's what you do. Well, I told you about the time that I shot an interview where we lost the angle on the subject and we only had the angle on the interviewer. Oof. And our solution was to hire an animator to spend like a week animating the edit of the interview as a cartoon. <laughs> For no justifiable reason other than that was like a thing we needed to release. <laughs> Anyone would rather have made a cartoon version of an interview than to call an interview subject back to tell them the bad news. <laughs> and to ask, plead even, yeah, for another opportunity to interview them. I wish I was that smart, Adam. I did not think of the cartoon thing until after I'd, I'd had the super humiliating I lost the data conversation. God, that's rough. Yeah, it sucked. I don't know any video production professional who doesn't know that kind of pain. Yeah, it's bad, bad stuff. So 
One thing that keeps happening as they go through these images is that there is a young woman in a lot of them who neither Seven nor the Doctor recognize. No, and as we kind of flip through these images, it's kind of a story. Yeah. It's a story told in five pictures. The first one, birthday party for this mystery ensign. The next one is in a shuttle. It's uh, Ensign Kim and this ensign. And the doctor's there. The third and the fourth one in the, in the shuttle too. And the fifth one, who is that angry alien on the shuttle with them? What's that three-pronged gun he's carrying? What's that about? Yeah. What would he have carried if there had been two or four people on the shuttle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Troubling. Anyways, this is uh, really staggering Discovery. So Seven is going to try her memory recovery techniques now on the doctor himself, having had great success with the hollow imager. And so they go to uh, the ass lab and she starts doing this and we get some real great like indie Fox searchlight camera techniques of zooming in on the doctor's eye as he experiences these memories that are out of order and being loaded back into his head. Unfortunately, it's the three-barreled phaser rifle that <laughs> that makes the biggest impact for me. Like, yeah. there's a story to be told here, but I can't take my eyes off of those three barrels. Yeah. Do you remember that squirt gun that was on the market when we were kids that shot, like, I think there was, like, one where that it shot around corners? <laughs> it's the best gun in the video game Contra, the spread gun. Yeah, the spread gun. This thing rules. You can really take out a lot of bad guys with that. Yeah, I love the spread gun. I love that more than the laser. But yeah. spread laser. Yeah. That really kicked ass. You wouldn't want the spread gun effect to happen when you're playing water fight, though, because uh, this no. gets real bloody. This poor ensign, like, there's like red mist in front of her face when this thing hits her. There's like blood all over his hands, and there's like frantic surgery scenes. Yeah. When they come out of this, the doctor is shaken, shaken to his very core. The scariest part about this to me at this moment is like, if all of this is real, why is the doctor the only one remembering them? Yeah. That's scary stuff. Yeah. It seems like everybody on board should be absolutely shook. This is the thrust of the McLaughlin group after, right? Issue one. Perhaps these images have been manipulated. No, they're real. Yeah. Seven and the doctor are presenting this and they're they're like, obviously this is super serious and we need to like look into this. So we should definitely take the doctor's program offline, you know, to make him safe while we look into this. Yeah. And I don't like that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like he makes the case that we're in immediate danger because somebody's actively deleting him. Like right. if uh, somebody on board is in league with triple barrel gun guy, like of course they would be deleting his memories of this to uh, conceal how much danger they're in. How many people could have the authorization or the know-how to do this to the doctor though? That was my question. Like, oh, isn't yeah. this an extremely short list of people who have this kind of access? We can narrow down the suspects really quickly. But no one does that. Instead, Janeway's like, we'll shut you down for safekeeping. <laughs> That way, no one can hurt you. Captain, it's for your own safety, Doctor. It's kind of like a safe house, right? Like shutting off the doctor yeah, could yeah. keep him safe, Yeah, maybe. There's a lot of like 
uneasy looks being exchanged between Tuvok and the captain in this mm-hmm. moment. And then like it's like some real like eyebrows getting raised when he walks out of the room. Like, gotta deal with that. Ooh, yeah. I mean, if you don't know what a knowing glance is, you get those in this scene at the end. This is a, a crash course. Yeah. Our course is locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. In Six Bay, the doctor has a great idea for what to do about these unsettling feelings that he has. And maybe the idea that he can't trust the people he should trust the most. Because everyone's a suspect to him. He asked the computer to duplicate the memories of the last 48 hours because he doesn't want the erasure to happen again. Yeah. And then he sets up a security camera using his hollow imager set to uh, motion capture, like a ring camera or something. Right. And then he turns himself off. Well, and then he records his voice into his talk boy, but then he plays it back slow so he sounds like a grown-up. Ready for it? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> He uh, he hangs a bunch of paint cans from lengths of string yeah. outside the door to the six bay. Yeah. yeah, and then he he pours some water on the carpet, and makes it real cold. He scares the pizza guy away with a yeah. violent movie being played at high volume. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah, great idea by the doc. Yeah, good stuff. He does not go to very great pains to hide the camera, so. Whoever the perpetrator is that comes into the room, like the moment he has taken himself offline, is uh, you know not <laughs> super wise to have missed this. There's uh, an expression in technology that I'm sure has a name, but like the the size of objects gets smaller as time goes on. Like the way cameras have grown smaller and more portable over the years. I feel like this camera is a real classic to the doctor, yeah. right? There's something <laughs> analog about it that he can oh, appreciate. Yeah. It's like medium format hollow <laughs> imager or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ordinarily, he'd like put his head under a, a cloak to <laughs> operate it. So uh, when he c- comes back, the computer automatically restores his memories that have just been deleted and then he goes over to the hollow imager and uh, sets it from suck to blow. And mm-hmm. it makes the hologram of the person that just came into the room. And uh, it builds from the bones up yeah. a representation of Captain Janeway. How surprising of a reveal was this? Pretty surprising. I I mean, I kind of thought it would be like BLT or something like that, you know? Yeah. I can't believe Janeway did it herself. Delegate, you know? Yeah. Yeah, she gets her hands dirty. Yeah. Pretty great. This moment on the bridge right afterwards is hot. Yeah. Because there's like some bullshit water cooler conversation happening between Janeway and Chakotay and Tuvok. This is, God, I could live in scenes like this so much longer. Just... The crew chopping it up. Yeah. Just talking about some bullshit. Yeah. When they're not talking shop, when it's not techno babble, they're yeah. talking sumo. Yeah. And like Janeway's apparently a big enough sumo fan that she went to like a big championship. Yeah. She's got opinions. But she, brutal irony here is that she's having memory problems. She she forgot who won this crucial match. Mm-hmm. And Tuvok and Chakotay think that they remember correctly who won. Their memories don't agree. Kind of an ugly portrayal of memory issues. 
yeah. cross the bridge when, when the doctor appears. The doc is not in the mood for this. No, he does not find it charming at all. And he starts lashing out. He starts tossing accusations around because uh, as, as far as he can tell, everybody's in on it at this point. You're conspiring against me, all of you. Why? I mean, it is deeply uncomfortable when you're just trying to have a conversation with your friends and someone injects their weird conspiracy theories right. into it. Like, you're going to s- stop getting invited places. <laughs> You keep pulling that shit. Yeah, you keep bringing up Comet Ping Pong over and over again. This is why Janeway pulls the doctor into the ready room. She doesn't want to see him lose all his friends. Yeah. And in that ready room, Janeway explains what happened. She's ready to give it up. Something bad happened that caused a conflict in his mind that he couldn't resolve. So... The only solution at that point was to extract the memory of the thing that caused this. Like a, it's like unloading the files that caused the mind virus that, you know, told his collective to sleep or whatever. Are you familiar with the work of Dr. Bashir? Pioneer <laughs> of the very successful treatment for terrible memories. Hello, my name is, well... That's not important. I'm here to talk about the success of the Bashir technique for memory erasure. It's a great way to live a happier existence because I'm told whatever was going on in my life before was way worse than whatever this is. Here's a picture of me just a month ago. Sad (laughs) and mean. Now look at me. I do not... Remember why I was that way before. All I can tell you is I am much better today. It's like a credit reset. (laughs) You call us and we will negotiate with the credit card companies (laughs) to change your amount of honor. The only cost to you is that you will not remember how you got into trouble in the first place. By calling the hollow hotline, you are under no obligation to participate. (laughs) We will send you an informational pamphlet for you to make an informed decision. Simply draw a line on either the turtle or the cowboy (laughs) of where the ice pick will go, and then your problems will disappear. (laughs) it's just all infomercials eventually (laughs) the doctor's like how long is this really (laughs) why is this a vhs cassette (laughs) they said it was supposed to be the second half of titanic what the fuck is going on part of what is so creepy about this conversation is how clinical Janeway is about the description of what's happened, like clinical in a technology kind of way, like you're malfunctioning and you need to be repaired. Like all of the emotional weight of what we realize later is completely sucked out of it. And it seems just really cold and unusual from a captain we know from the last episode can be very hot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's making the case for that, too, in this conversation. He's, like, trying to put it in human terms. Like, if you were 
unable to provide your consent for some operation and somebody yeah. just did it to you, wouldn't you be upset? And she like pretty much rejects the comparison. She's like, yeah, no, that would be fine with me or whatever. I don't give a shit. I don't feel like I need to justify this to you. <laughs> she basically <laughs> says like, you know, go pack your bags tomorrow morning. You're getting another factory reset. And she like takes a paperclip off her desk and unfolds, you know, <laughs> one part of it. Yeah, she's ready to Lenny him right then and there. <laughs> Paperclip to the back of the head. So the doctor heads down to Six Bay and is just kind of like sitting in his office, yeah. feeling a lot of feelings about this. And uh, Chakotay and Seven and uh, Tom Paris come pay him a visit and they're going to uh, prep the patient, basically. Like they're they're here to copy files so that Lieutenant Torres can do the procedure of deleting the the messed up shit. And uh, Chakotay and Paris are there to talk to him while she does that and say like, yeah, like the captain kind of made the right call on this one. Like, I know it's like super weird and fucked up, but you were in a bad way. Was part of Paris's punishment that he had to have a little boy's haircut while he's an ensign? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because this is the second instance of, hey, is that a new haircut yeah. in this episode? When B-Dunks showed up on set and saw what they did for Garrett Wong, he must have been so mad. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a wonder that they're still friends, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that B-Dunks' previous haircut like connoted some authority. Am I making any sense here? But it wasn't this. <laughs> yeah. And also, did they leave both pips on him? Uh, ooh. What's going on in the pip department there? I thought he was ensigned up. Yeah, okay. I didn't notice a, a mistake, yeah. but I... I might be wrong about that. There may have been a kernel of corn that fell on his collar. Right. You got a whole new pip right there. It's corn. I've got to get that. Latinum. Put your latinum where your mouth is. I've, I've got to get that. Latinum. Fortnite. I think we've just drunk gold. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. 
Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen. So I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. It didn't seem like Chakotay was as convinced that this was the right path. I could have used so much more Chakotay in this episode and the last episode, and let's just say all of season five. Yeah. He has been totally AWOL. I wonder what's going on with him. Yeah. I love this moment where the doc asks Paris, like almost as a friend, like, you got to tell me, dude, what happened 18 months ago? Yeah. And when Paris says that he can't say, but he agrees with the decision, that just sent chills up my spine. Like, what could be this bad? Yeah. I feel like the the A problem with what's happening to the doctor is someone's fucking with this program and he has no agency over his life. Right. As long as stuff gets erased. But like deep B problem or like way on down the list is that everyone knows a thing that one person doesn't. Yeah. And I kind of wish more was made of that because that's the more disturbing part to me. It's kind of the reverse of the like data remembers everything and has to lie to the whole crew. Right. Episode. I felt the same way. This is Voyager's Commander McDuff yeah. episode, right? <laughs> Similarly isolating too. Yeah. Yeah. So Seven has been feeling a lot of feelings about this because she's overheard this whole conversation and she winds up in the captain's quarters at 2 a.m. 
to unload some of these misgivings. And they have this very intense rights of an individual debate that, you know, the captain like makes this totally like over the top metaphor comparing the EMH to a replicator. And Seven is like, you know, my uncle on my mother's side is a replicator. And I find that very offensive. <laughs> the scene that came to mind to me was uh, Seven of Nine turning to uh, Janeway and going, I have nipples. Can you milk me? Oh, yeah. You can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> and the captain is like, everybody knows that you have nipples, Seven. The doctor saw to that. Yeah. I love this scene for both of these actors. I think whenever they have conflicts, it's a good thing for the show. It is. And it's an interesting conflict because, you know, the captain is less defending her decision than defending the fact that she made it 18 months ago for a lot of it. Yeah. You know, like at the end of the scene, you're like, God, the captain came off so fucking unreasonable. Like defending something as having been decided a long time ago is not a defense. Yeah. It is such a relief the next morning when she shows up in Six Bay and is like, okay, I've been doing some new thinking about this and I'm going to load the memories back in so that you can see what we're taking away before we take them back away. Did you think that was the offer? Like what's going on here is... Janeway is like, look, I'm going to show you all this stuff we're going to erase from you. But do you think there was ever a moment where they thought to turn the scene into a, we're going to show you what happened, and if you still want to resist the hollow lobotomy, we'll allow it. Like, there still isn't a choice here, which I think is unfortunate because if he watched all of this and still chose lobotomy, that would be a real stomach punch of a moment in this episode, but I don't know if he's ever given that choice, right? Right. I mean, because that kind of opens up the eternal sunshine of it all. Like, then there becomes a question about how much of and what specifically to to go with. And I think that they're not convinced that he's going to want to erase it. He's just going to be convinced that there's something wrong with him when he sees it. So... We get to this scene where they like load the memories back in and then we're in this memory like for a while. Like we go we go back in time and it's a surprise party for Ensign Jatal. There's a cellular peptide cake with mint frosting. Would you like a bite? No, thank you. How great is this cake, by the way? How great does it look? Eh, I don't need cake. God, I knew I was asking the wrong person. <laughs> it looks fine. It looks as good as any cake. But I like the writing and frosting looks so cool because there's perspective to it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was neat. Do you think that was a reference to Star Wars, though? Kind of. Like, it kind of looked like the Star Wars crawl. Like, Ensign Jatal is a real Star Wars head. She, like, practices lightsaber fighting in her quarters. Ensign Jatal, episode 27. <laughs> the Dead Speak. Mentioned it all. Yeah. It's back in the episode after being brutally killed by a triple barrel gun. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, blink and you'll miss it, but Chakotay's in this episode. Sounds great. He's the one who gives the mission. Yeah. Orders to uh, to Jatal and the doctor and Harry Kim. And boy, the POV 
feels so uncomfortable here. Did you look away from the screen when Jatal looked straight into camera? No, because I was kind of falling in love with her in that moment. I mean, so was I, but but like that was part of it. The actor who plays Jatal is just very pretty and charismatic and yeah. like being looked at through the camera was <laughs> was shocking in that moment. Yeah. It's intense. So we see the like shuttle mission and the in the reenactment of what we've only seen in still photos so far. Like we don't get a lot more information from this. We don't know who this alien is, why he's attacking them, how he decided which gun to pull off the wall specifically. But one thing that I thought was really remarkable about this sequence was just how bloody it is. Like, if this is how bloody they're allowed to get, you know, if standards and practices will sign off on this episode, there are so many episodes that would have been benefited by so much more blood. I felt the same way. Jatal and Kim... Their faces look like fucking burger at the end of this. It is rugged. And there's blood on the carpet. You never see blood on the carpet in Star Trek. It's a really amazing scene. Like You never see blood on the carpet. (laughs) Oh, man. Wow. When greatest gen went electric. (laughs) Bob Dylan lives to the 24th century and, and releases <laughs> the Blood on the Carpet album. <laughs> I love the, like, just everything is from the doctor's perspective. Like, yeah. we cut to his face a couple of times, but, like, we even see, like, Voyager come in f- through the window of the shuttle and, like, scare away this marauding ship. Yeah. He gets back to Six Bay with these two and... Whatever they got shot with is causing like cascading neural failure and it's like continuing to fuck them up and it becomes a real EMH's choice. Good thing Paris is there to be the nurse. Doctors prescribe, nurses provide. Yeah. And uh, the doc needs to make a decision, but he's like looking at Paris like, but seriously, the haircut thing. Like <laughs> it's very distracting. You don't have to have any haircut you don't want to have in the 24th century, right? Like you can just always have a perfect haircut every day. And Paris looks at his watch and he says, "While you said that, we ran out of time to save both of them. So you're going to have to pick one." Yeah. I mean, what a moment. You could choose. You got to pick one. And uh the doc gets to work on Kim with Paris's help. I love how Paris does not telegraph an interest in who the doc picks even though ensign kim is his best friend in the world (laughs) paris is more professional than the doctor in this moment yeah what's wrong with their birdies is incredibly scary sounding like it's a bullet that keeps exploding inside it's like crawling up their spinal cords so that's why the operation at the base of the neck like he severed Kim's spinal cord to like air gap this process so that it wouldn't get to his brain. Yeah. And then he can like reconnect it once he's solved the problem. And while they worked on Ensign Kim, like they hear Jatel's bio bed long beep yeah. next to them. And that's how you know she's dead. Yeah. That's also how Pike tells you that he's horny. <laughs> Pike, is your button stuck or... uh... (laughs) 
are you just happy to see me? <laughs> or do you want uh, you want some lap sitting? <laughs> When we come back from commercial, the doctor's like, oh, so it was a bad memory (laughs) that you deleted. Yeah. And the doc, I love the doc's take here because he's like, so you're telling me all of this fuss is over one crew person's death? I see death all the time. I'm a doctor. No big deal. It's not a big deal. And Janeway's like, keep watching the footage. (laughs) And so back in flashback, they're on the bridge for the funeral scene and, and they shoot a very valuable torpedo casing out with Jatel's body in it. What's left of it anyway. After that, the doctor is kicking it in the mess hall with Neelix. Yeah. This scene is hence the bigness because he goes really big in this scene. Why did I decide to kill her? Why? Somebody tell me why! This is how you nail... An audition. Yeah. I thought this was great. I thought it was really well blocked. The like mm-hmm. steady cam. It's not even a steady cam. It's like a handheld camera that kind of like follows him around as as he does this rant, you know, cutting back to the reacts of the people in the room and Neelix trying to like radio security in a way that was like subtle, but I'm like standing right in front of you <laughs> while doing it. I, I mean, I want to draw a big circle around Ethan Phillips because He's not in this episode a bunch, but when he is in the episode, it may not seem like he's doing very much. It's incredible the metamorphosis that the Neelix character has had in this series, and Ethan Phillips in particular. Like To watch what he does in this scene in reaction to what the Doctor is doing is incredible, because when the scene begins... I was wondering if Neelix was a person who was grieving in this moment. Right. And it's so subtle the way that he is portraying a person who is. And how as the doctor starts to spiral, you can see him work it out in his head like, well, the doctor is grieving too. And I need to allow for everyone to grieve a little differently until the moment where the grief goes too far, where it becomes kind of an emergency But the patience that Neelix has in this scene and the portrayal of that patience, I thought was just so powerful. Like a fucking great moment. I really agree. I think these are two really challenging acting moments. Like one for Picardo, who at least has the benefit of a lot of lines in this scene and an arc to go on. Ethan Phillips has like two or three lines in the scene and he has to do almost as much just in the way he behaves around the doctor in experiencing this rant. You and I have this challenge all the time. Like, how do you even concentrate on something another person is telling you for any longer than like a couple (laughs) of sentences? It's almost impossible. Yeah. Neither of us even tries. (laughs) And neither of us are on camera. Yeah. But like, here's Ethan Phillips on camera for basically this entire performance, having to stay in that moment of being a passenger in the doctor's scene and being fully engaged in the emotional gravity of it. Yeah. I thought it was great. Really strong stuff. And the scene ends with Tuvok like sneaking in and like pressing the off button on the mobile emitter. Yeah. <laughs> to uh, 
disconnect him. And the captain back in the present is explaining to the EMH, like, you kept doing that. Like, that wasn't the only <laughs> time you did that a bunch. I'm no doctor, but it seemed to me that uh, you were gripped with being a bummer hang. <laughs> <laughs> It was an affliction. Do your friends, or maybe your physician, say you're a bummer hang? (laughs) Dial the number at the bottom of your screen for more information about lobotomy. The doctor takes a moment here and he's like, two patients diverge in a wood and I... I chose the ensign we liked better, didn't I? (laughs) It's like a multi-level problem because he's like, I'm supposed to be detached and I sort of picked the person to save that I had the closer connection with, but also like I'm supposed to be superhuman in my ability to save. And also I'm supposed to like not move on with regret after I make a decision. Like if I make a call, like I should be, even if it's the wrong call, I should be detached enough to like have some professional distance from it. Right. And I should be able to watch people die hundreds of people at a time and feel nothing. Yeah. I should have like my pupils go all all beady. Yeah. And uh, you know, mutilate as many holodeck characters as I want and it and feel nothing. Yeah. The doc kind of flies off the handle again in a illustration of exactly what Janeway was talking about. Can you reprogram him or something? Go ahead, reprogram me. I'll lend you a hand. So they turn him off. For now, and Janeway turns to BLT and she's like, yeah, there's this battle being fought within him. And our solution 18 months ago was like, well, let's spare him the battle. Like if he doesn't Mm -hmm. remember the thing, then no battle. No battle. No battle. Spare the battle. Spoil the child though. Right? Right. Right. And that's sort of the case she makes. Like if he has a soul, if he's been allowed to evolve past being an automaton, then sparing him the battle may seem like a short-term benefit, but maybe it's a a long-term bad. I want to learn how to needlepoint, and I want to make that for Daron's room (laughs) with like a bat left in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Spare the battle, spoil the boy. The boy. Spoil the warrior. <laughs> Spoil the warrior. Yeah. <laughs> we have needle pointists in our audience. Somebody gave us a, a Captain Potter yeah. needle point that's still on my wall. You're right, Ben. I don't need to learn how to do anything. Yeah, somebody will send it in. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> if they can convince Bill that they're not a glitter bombist, they'll send it in. That's all you got to do. Yeah, so the captain goes down and uh, wakes Seven up out of a deep sleep. Seven was finally sleeping great. Because uh, she's not troubled anymore, you know, because the captain did what she so- told her to do. Yeah. I'm ready to have that discussion now. <laughs> Interesting moment. Like Seven sort of replaying her experience, being rescued and becoming a part of the crew and the rocky road it took for her to make it to that place in that moment with Janeway. Yeah. And when she arrives at not wanting to have changed a thing about that experience, I think that is the inspiration for what comes next. Yeah. I think we knew this about Seven, but the fact that it has been up until now that the captain asks Seven, like, would you go back 
any regrets. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, Seven pulls down her sleeve and shows her shoulder tattoo to the contrary. <laughs> and I know you didn't ask, but uh, like I assimilated millions of people and I'm not losing a fucking wink of sleep over it. I think the doctor's <laughs> a fucking baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we all have regrets. Yeah. <laughs> but little ones, you know. Right. Yeah. So the solution to this is to simulate a an armchair in the holodeck. And now for two weeks, people have been doing round-the-clock shifts, sitting in with the doctor while he sits in this chair and has armchair bum-outs about what happened. And, I mean, you're hoping that he wrestles his trembles to rages, right? <laughs> you hope, but two weeks is a long time. That's a long time. Two piss buckets obscured in the holodeck and i i chose the one that was less full (laughs) and it made all the difference yeah did he even have free will in this that's something he brings up like the you know the big bang and all of the physics set in motion i mean from the beginning of the universe like do any of us choose any of the things that we do welcome to the making sense podcast the scene is pretty lengthy like the depiction of the grappling that the doctor does yeah but he veers pretty closely toward a kind of calvinist predestination philosophy (laughs) that people without the gromba to take responsibility for their actions find comforting for some reason yeah and he rests in that for a long time because it was all determined 20 billion years ago there is a certain logic to your logic. The captain does a lot of eye rolling in that particular part of his rant. Uh, I mean, 16 hours of <laughs> of this jag yeah. is a little much. She must feel so bad for the other crew members that have been doing this because like Tuvok comes to try and relieve her and she's like, no, I'll keep doing it at the 16 hour mark. And I don't know, like two weeks in, how is this her first shift or... <laughs> She's been going like this hard. I mean, I think that's what the book is for, Ben. Yeah. Like, uh, you and I are close friends, and if you ever had some shit to lay on me, I'd do you the kindness of not reading during, (laughs) you know? Uh, Don't, not on my account, man. Bring a book. All right. It's fine. Okay, I'll do that. (laughs) She's super tired at this point, and uh, he finally gets curious about what the book is, and... She tells him about how it's poetry and it's relevant to his situation. There's coffee in that poetry. It's La Vita Nuova, which is something I don't know anything about. I learned less about this than I learned about Mahler last episode. I mean, it's a Ricky Martin song, right? (laughs) It's the novelization of the Ricky Martin song. (laughs) You see, Doctor, it goes like, Upside, inside out, living La Vida Nuova. <laughs> Her skin was the color of mocha, etc. <laughs> Does that make you feel any better? And she's like, got a fever at this point. Medical emergency. Doctor. Did she really have a fever? As a construction, I feel like you probably start here, right? Like, what is the sacrifice? Yeah that the captain is making and being there, the sacrifice that's greater than her loss of sleep or her comfort at sitting in the same chair for 16 hours a day, something snaps in the doctor's hollow brains. And it's like, oh God, she's 
suffering to help me. And something about that frees him up. It breaks the spell. Yeah. The knowledge that like his suffering is part of what saved Kim. Right. It unfortunately killed the other ensign, but like the suffering is part of the work. It's interesting because it's not it doesn't totally like dispel his conflict because he stays in the room. Like he sends her to Six Bay to get yeah. checked out. But I feel like he feels like he is at the crest of a waterfall where the conflict will dissipate. Yeah. A very contemplative ending to this episode. It does not... He turns the holodeck into an abattoir and he starts doing disgusting <laughs> operations on that alien with the three-barreled rifle. <laughs> it's the only way he can blast at this point. Yeah. Did you like this episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. This is an episode that, like, sells itself as a very special episode of Star Trek Voyager, like something heavy. And up until the very last scene, I was like, oh, this is interesting as a construction. Right. But when is the gut punch going to happen? Yeah. And it took the very last second for that to take place. Because when... Janeway leaves the doctor alone in that holodeck, in his chair, staring at her empty chair, at the book that she was just reading before she left, and then the doc reads it, and it's a reminder of how, like, no matter how difficult your day is, you can start over the day after that. You can try to do something great, or meet someone great, or just have a better day if you can, and if that doesn't work... You try again the day after that. And there's something encouraging and beautiful about that sentiment. And I'm so glad it wasn't said explicitly. Like right. it was said visually with those people and those objects and that empty holodeck. Like, I like the hope that that represents. But it's like hidden in this Voyager Macduff episode, you know? <laughs> That's also like a fun science fiction construction. Totally, totally. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I feel like this episode is super strong and really snuck up on me as well. It feels like it's probably just going to be a fun and games episode and then it's something bigger and you didn't even notice that they were building the right. airplane or that you were flying while they were doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And if the last episode was a two-hander, this was like a one-hander. This was all Robert Picardo. This was a takeover of an episode by him and a really great acting performance. Yeah, he did a really nice job. Really awesome. Well, you know what else is awesome, Adam, is our Priority One inbox, and I encourage you to open it up and start reading some of the messages out loud. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a promotional nature. The message goes like this. We are two guys who took gnome drugs and found ourselves in the hyperdimensional megaplex known locally as Infinite City. Hmm. Things are weird here, but our universe is even weirder. Watch, your universe is weird on Infinite City's public access channel, Triple Z. Oh. See what's weird about your universe. <laughs> Created with AI art, 
we are exploring the latent space to create bizarre comedy. Wow. The first episode is available now with more to come soon at theinfinitecity.com. That's T-H-E-I-N-F-I-N-I-T-E-C-I-T-Y.com. Check it out. I've been looking for like a microdose of gnome drugs, you know? Like, I don't want to I don't want to go to an infinite city, you know? Are gnome drugs already a microdose? Hmm? Ah, I see mm. what you did there. Mm-hmm. I mean, not for me. Take me down to the infinite city where the grass goes on. I mean, it really just keeps going. There's yeah. no end to that grass. It's one of my favorite songs by um, ACDC, I want to say. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah, theinfinitecity.com to check out this very interesting sounding project. I, I love this. This sounds weird and cool. Yeah. Looks like it's uh, on YouTube also, based on my exploration of theinfinitecity.com. Oh, good. Yeah. Everyone's got shows on YouTube. Yeah. Anyone who's anyone. Our next priority one message here is from Chris M, and it's to Ben and Adam. And it goes like this. I wanted to share a highlight of 2022, meeting my girlfriend's parents for the first time the same night as the tour stop in Toronto. Yes, a few show drinks deep, I had to tell them we were out late because I had taken their daughter to a live Star Trek podcast. It went well. They were super cool, and we're both now viewers. I love you, Emily. Wow. That is a... What's up, Emily? High-risk proposition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but honestly, like, after meeting the girlfriend's parents, it's gravy from there. <laughs> like, <laughs> going on a date to a live Star Trek podcast, easy by comparison. <laughs> right? Yeah. I've read that the Hollywood reboot of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner starring a fan of The Greatest Generation is uh, making great progress in development over at Warner's. <laughs> Working title is... Uh, Guess who's coming over to be awkward and weird. <laughs> but it worked out for Chris M and Emily. That rules. Sure did. M and Emily. Hmm. Not that. Yeah. I wonder if she'll go by MM someday. Yeah. Not that women have to take their partner's last name. I mean, you're, uh, you got this great relationship. You got this one chance. Yeah. Don't blow it. Like so much of... Your girlfriend's parents' spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. Chris M and Emily. Yeah. I believe they call it pasta up there. Mm. Ben, our final priority one message is from the other, less co-captain of the USS York. It is two co-captain of the USS York. Message goes like this. Rachel, together we've navigated divorces, buying a new house in St. Paul, Forming a blended family with cat maze. The boy. B. Boo. Ingrid with no nickname. A squish. And James Tiberius Cat. <laughs> Traveling lighting designer work is hard on both of us, but there's nobody else I want to keep coming home to and vacuuming the house for. I love you. Wow. USS York in good hands with this company. Sounds like it. Co-captains. Yeah. One of the captains going and bringing home that design work bacon. The other captain 
vacuuming the bacon <laughs> at the homestead. Yeah. How, how do we have so many lighting designers in our audience? We had an LD uh, doing a yeah. commercial P1 a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? We have a lot of friends at DeSoto in and around Minneapolis-St. Paul. Also, That's true, yeah. One of the great gravity wells of Friends of DeSoto. Yeah, that's a part of the country I really love getting to go visit. Yeah, indeed. Wow. Well, if you'd like to get a P1 on the show, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and make sure you set it to our show and not fucking Jordan Jesse Go. Yeah. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! It's old three-barrel, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) I I just can't stop thinking about that weird alien and his weird gun. And uh, (laughs) Look, does he want to shoot them, or is it a banger accident? Oh, yeah, because, like, did he beam off of his own ship, and then it's like, the ship is still shooting at them while he's on board, right? Look, he's clearly my Shimoda too, but I think it's for all of these weird questions. Like yeah. the doc talks about beaming him back and, and Kim's like, why didn't you beam him into space so he dies? <laughs> like this alien species didn't send their best, right? This is this is a guy who can't work the gun and also gets beamed away when he doesn't want to be. And also, <laughs> why is this the way they attack the ship? They should have just kept shooting at it. Shooting at it was working, right? Yeah, shooting at it was was doing the the job. Um, there's <laughs> so many questions and so few answers. Like the doc even asks questions about this guy, and we don't get him. So yeah, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm baffled. He's he's the drunk Shimoda of the show for sure. Yeah, we don't know nearly enough about them. Uh, what we can find out a little bit about Adam is the next episode of Star Trek Voyager, season five, episode twelve. Bride of Chaotica, photonic life forms mistake the characters in Tom's Hollow novel for real people, which leads to a war with the holodeck characters. That sounds like an episode that uh, could be mostly in black and white, Ben. Our game of buttholes board, bright and vivid color. Mm, yeah, indeed. Our runabout is throbbing on square 26. A couple squares ahead is the Naked Now bathtub episode. Cool. That'd be great. I almost forgot about that stupid fucking square on this game. You're required to learn as you play. Uh, Roll. The only bad thing I could hit is that. Uh, and I'm just going to call it right now. I'm going to fucking hit it. Because that's... I think that's the best thing, Adam. Oh, I, I rolled a four. I jinxed it. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. I self-jinxed. Oh, man. A four has popped us to square 30. It is a clothed episode. Thank God. I was really hoping for an episode where I could clean my body. <laughs> yeah. Guess not. Is that something that the pediatrician has told you? You need to practice better hygiene as a growing yeah. boy? Yeah. Clean behind my ears, you know? Yeah. Why is Darone so much cleaner than you? <laughs> Darone shits literally on his own birdie (laughs) and is cleaner than you. Yeah. He shits and then the thing holds the shit against him. Ugh. That is so gnarly. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's on you to catch it. Like, within a period of time. 
Mm-hmm. What a great responsibility that is. They really ease you in, though. Like, the early turds are no big deal. I think when they start eating people food, they become... Uh, Once they start dropping logs? Yeah, then it, then it becomes loggage. But mm. right now, we're in a very happy, unsmelly phase. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. You just need to be taking more showers. That's it. Yeah. Well, uh... Thanks to everybody who listened to this episode of the show. Make a musical parody and send it into Jordan Jesse Go to express your displeasure with Jesse cutting us off like that. Yeah. Cutting off. Hey, make no mistake. Jim from New Jersey. This is podcast war. Podcast war. Jordan Jesse Go fired the first shot, but they will, they will not fire the last. Yeah. So help me God. Yeah. There is no back channel phone. No. This is a hot war. Yeah. And it's now. Gotta thank Wendy Pretty for being our producer. Wendy conscripted into our podcast war. Yeah, yeah. She, she's a field marshal. Field marshal Wendy. Yeah. We gotta thank the great card daddy Bill Tilly, who runs our social media at Greatest Trek everywhere you care to follow. Join the Discord, drunkshimoda.com. There's a Mastodon. I think that's friends of DeSoto.social. Mm-hmm. We've got to thank Adam Agusia for the original theme music for the show. Yeah, Goose is great. Sure. Goose is good. Hey, Adam. What? I've heard that there are friends of DeSoto out there that are walking around topless. Nice. They could get that sorted very easily by going to podshop.biz and ordering a t-shirt or something. Yeah. You want to show everyone you're a friend of DeSoto? You're a part of something that's definitely not a cult? <laughs> Friends of DeSoto like to wear gray shirts that they get from podshop.biz. Yeah, some new varieties of those shirts uh, have, have populated the store recently, if I'm not hey, mistaken. convention season's coming up. Yeah. You want to show those other conventioneers what your favorite Star Trek podcast is. Yeah. A gray shirt <laughs> is going to let everyone know exactly which is your favorite Star Trek podcast? I would just absolutely love for a Star Trek convention to be happening and like a third of the people walking around it are just wearing an unassuming gray shirt and everybody else is like, what the fuck is going on? And they're insisting their cosplay. <laughs> with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that's in black and white. Tasteful black and white. Hey, just like your student films. Hmm, yeah. You get one of those great big memory cards? <laughs> yeah, you, you become obsessed with what you can't have that's close by. Make it so. Fun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.